Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Brilliant. Well, it's good to be together. It's so good to worship Jesus. Amen. You know, we are the worship team. Is that right? These guys play and sing, but we together are the worship team. And uh, it's great just to honour who God is. Now, before we get into the word this morning, uh, the the children are coming back in here at 11.20 and we're all going to be having communion together. And that's partly in response to the message this morning and what God is is doing. But before we get into the message, just a, a, a kind of practical announcement. Next year, early part of next year, both Pastor Colin and Caroline are going to be 80 years old. And... uh, Pastor Colin's birthday is at the end of January on the 26th and Caroline's birthday is on March the 1st, about four or five weeks later. Um, they, they, they don't particularly want a big party, big celebration thing. We've kind of been round in circles trying to say, hey, we want to do this, that and the other. And they're like, no, we just want to keep it simple. So what we're going to do on January the 26th, which is a Sunday, a Sunday morning, uh, we're going to have like a celebration morning of their lives and uh, of both of them. Although it's Pastor Connie's birthday that day, it's a celebration of both of their lives together. And uh, we, we, there will be some visitors, some friends of theirs from, from different places that are going to be here that morning. And uh, so we're going to celebrate them and just thank the Lord for who they are and uh, really their lives. Because most people leave a legacy once they're gone. Um, but we know their lives are already leaving legacies in many lives. And, and even now, when Jane and I travel or if I'm traveling somewhere, it could be another nation, could be a place where it's just quite remote, whatever, wherever it might be. And people come up to me and they say, hey, is, is Colin Urka your, your father? It's like, yeah, well, I read his book. That's how I got saved. Or I was at a meeting in Timbuktu somewhere and I got saved. I got healed uh, or, or my whole family, this, that or the other. And... Um, it's amazing that the legacy that, that their lives already carry and have in so many other people's lives. So we want to honour them on that day. We want to bless them. They don't know, they know something's happening, but they don't know what we're doing. Um, so we're kind of organising that and planning some things for that morning. But I'm sure uh, many of you would like to bless them. And we, we want to we give them something. I don't know what it is yet. Uh, or we want to send them somewhere uh, to have a great time, uh, not necessarily overseas. They don't really want to fly if they don't have to. Um, so we want to give everybody the opportunity to contribute to what we get them as a church. So the other congregations are also involved in this. So uh, you can, over the next few Sundays, uh, the, at the info point, if you, I mean, the best thing is to bank transfer something. If you want to give something, you can bank transfer it into Kingdom Faith's account and, and reference on there 80th birthday so we know exactly what the money's for. And, uh, and then we'll... Uh, it, it, this is not gift-aidable, okay? So this is not an offering, okay? It's not an offering that we're taking, you know, for them. This is together, as a church family, we want to bless them and, uh, and we all want to contribute towards buying something that's going to bless them or to do something. So you can bank transfer, again, reference 80th birthday. You can um, give it the info point uh, if you want to do it that way. 
We'd rather your bank transfer, if you can, uh, if, if you don't sort of operate like that and you've got cash, then you can do that at the info point. Or if you, you want to, you can ring the office and, uh, and sort the, the, the gift out that way if you want to do that. Is that okay? Just so that the reason why we're saying it this morning is because they're not here. And uh, so it's a good opportunity to say something without them knowing what we're doing. Uh, so we want to bless them. Is that right? So uh, hopefully that was clear and uh, you can bank transfer, you can ring the office or you can do something at the info point for the next three Sundays. Okay, then after that, uh, you won't be able to do it on Sunday here. You'll have to bank transfer it if you, you want to do that. Okay, brilliant. Are you ready? Last couple of Sundays have been absolutely amazing here. The, the two words that God has brought. Uh, last week, I was, Jane and I were in Burgess Hill in the congregation there. Uh, but I know Colin spoke, listened to his message, and uh, it's absolutely brilliant word. Those of you who were last week, how many of you, that was such a great word. And then Jane was speaking the week before uh, about how do, you, how do you live as a worshipper in the face of challenge when all stuff, everything is going against you. And we're going through this series of, of how do you live a next steps life? What does that mean? It, our relationship with God is a walk with God. So we're always taking steps to walk with him. He's always leading us in our lives and we want to live and continue in that next steps life. So we're constantly moving forward in what God is doing in us and through us. But also, what does that mean as a worshipper? Often we think of worship just being in a meeting. We lift our hands and we worship. But we know that being a worshipper is more than just lifting your hands in a meeting. How many of you know that you can lift your hands in a meeting and look like you're really worshiping Jesus and everything else is going off in your life? And uh, sometimes we just want to, we don't want to let anybody else in. So we turn up on a Sunday and we think, I'll just look like I'm really loving Jesus. But if everybody really knew what was going on inside me or whatever, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Am I the only person that thinks like that sometimes? Okay. But. Uh, uh, so as worshippers, it's how we're honouring God in our lives 24-7 uh, in every way. So we're looking at some really practical stuff. And, and one of the analogies that was given a couple of weeks ago when Jane was speaking and Suki shared a testimony was about stones in our lives that can be a blockage, things that can be going on in us that are a blockage to what God is doing. And so we were unblocking some things in our lives uh, a couple of weeks ago and I'm sure uh, for some of you God has been continuing to, to do that and work in us uh, in terms of what he's doing and then last week Colin's message followed on from that which was about relationships and, and how to deal with some of the challenges and conflicts and, and issues that we have and, uh, and I know from, from just bits and pieces that have come back, stories, testimonies of, of what God was doing that morning and even during the week where people have been just sorting things out relationally in different ways and uh, wanted to make sure that we're, we're healthy relationally. And that's an ongoing thing that God is doing in us. And so this morning is going to carry on from that uh, in terms of the health and life that we have in us. But we're going to talk about that in our homes now, before Easter, we did a three-week short mini-series called God's Lordship in Our Home. Some of you would have heard that. Some of you would remember that. The whole idea of that was not just to hear a message that we say, well, that was great, uh, and it's six, six months ago. Every time you know, God speaks, it's so that we, we live more fully in who He is. Or we're outworking what He's saying in our lives. That what He's saying becomes part of our daily life. It becomes part of who we are. And so that Lordship in the Home message was more about how does God want us to be in our homes 
and hopefully it triggered something in you that you are now living in the good of. But we know sometimes we can respond to things and, and sometimes it can peter out a little bit uh, because often when we respond to God, changing things uh, sometimes needs some action, some discipline, some things that we decide we're going to do. And sometimes our feelings rise up in the middle of that, but we still need to make a conscious decision. I'm going to push past that. Or even sometimes we gradually default to how things were because sometimes change takes a little bit of time to become permanent in us when we're responding to what God is doing and there are very practical actions involved to it. And so we're going to this morning look at Lordship in the Home and do a little bit of a summary of that, but also some other things added to that in relation to what God's been saying the last couple of weeks. And both Jane and Colin were very honest and very open about what God's been doing in their lives. And I'm sure like them, and I know what's been happening in my own life, uh, God has been challenging me in different ways. And, and it's not been an easy season. It's not been one of those um, twilight zone seasons, you know, where your feet are just a couple of feet off the ground and you feel everything's just humming in the spirit and, and it's like, oh yeah, everything's awesome, everything's amazing. I just feel like, oh God, everything's brilliant. And, oh, you know, and people do stuff and I don't care, you know, because God's so awful and all of that. It, hasn't, it seems to have been a bit more of a, a grindsome thing out, a ploughing season where God has been going that bit deeper and he's been unearthing some things and you're like, oh, I don't really like that. And, uh, and again, like these guys, uh, I've had to have conversations or people have had them with me over these last few weeks even where, you know, because we have a bit of an open door policy within the team. You know, if, if, if somebody cheeses you off or you get upset or you don't understand, go and, hey, can I have a chat? I need to, I need to have a conversation with you. And I've had a little bit of that recently, which has been good. It's good for me because we all have blind spots. We all have blinkers. Other people see things in you that you don't see in yourself. How we come across sometimes, we don't realise, but others pick up things. And, and, uh, and, and we, we want to live open door, open lives where, where people can feel like, can I just have, come and have a chat with you? And, uh, and maybe in, in, in my role, maybe it's a bit easier for me to go and have a chat with somebody else than it is for somebody to knock on my door and say, uh, Clive, can I have a chat with you? And, and I'm like, yeah, fine, what's up, what's up? And they're like, um, 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 um. Um, I've been sitting on this for three months and I don't know what to do, you know, but um, you've really upset me. And I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. What have I done? What have I done? Tell me, tell me, you know what I mean? And, and it's not easy having a conversation with people, but it's so, so important because sometimes somebody's thinking something and you miss each other because that's not what was going on or there's something going on in somebody's head and it's not the reality. And if we don't sit and communicate and chat, we, we can sometimes live like that with one another. So this is important in the home context as well that we're going to kind of unpack this morning in, uh, in about 25 minutes. And then the kids are going to come back down, the children will be here. And we're going to have communion together in our, in our families, in our households, or if you're with your friends here, in your friendship group, whatever dynamic that might look like. And we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for one another so we're going to encourage parents to pray for your children, lay hands on them. We're going to encourage the children to pray for you as parents or whatever group you're in. If there are children in the group and it's not just the parents, you might have friends with you or whatever, then we want to encourage everybody to pray for one another. How many of you know that children can prophesy just as good as adults? Sometimes even more accurately. 
because they're just going about their thing and doing their thing. And you, you, you say to them, hey, we're going to pray. God wants to speak to us. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, OK, cool. Do you want to lay hands on mum? Yeah. And, they, and then they come out with something. And, and there's, there's no, there seems to be no interference between there and here with a kid sometimes, isn't it? Whereas with, with slightly older ones like us lot in the room, sometimes we're like, oh, I need to hear you, Lord. And oh, you know, what's he going to say? And oh, oh, I don't know if I can hear God's voice and oh, whatever. And the kids are going... Oh, yeah, yeah, I see this picture and it's this, this and this. And I think, you know, all of that. And so it's going to be a powerful time at the end. Is that OK? Yeah. And we want to take this into our homes if we're not living that already. So God's lordship in our homes. We want to, how many of you want to honour God in your home? Yeah. We all do, don't we? Really important. Why is the home so important? We live in a culture of fragmented family. We live in a culture of fragmented relationships. And God calls the church to live prophetically. He calls us to live out his word like signs and symbols. What does a sign do on a road? A sign points you in the right direction. A symbol of something represents something that has a meaning. And so God wants us to live prophetic lives by the way we are, the way our marriages are, the way our families are, the way our relationships are, the atmosphere in our homes, what we allow in, what we don't allow in and all of these kind of things. And it's important in a society that relationally and even as individuals with the whole identity crisis that's going on in so many, there's fragmentation going on. So the, the enemy, the way he works, he's gone beyond just trying to fragment my relationship with somebody else or somebody else's relationship with you. He's now trying to fragment somebody's identity on the inside. So there are odds with themselves and they're saying, I don't even know who I am. And, and we're called as the church. How many, how many of you heard the phrase, an Englishman's home is his castle? Now, often we think of that as if we want to, we can draw, we can bring the drawbridge up. We've got a nice moat around it and we can live isolated lives. An English home is, a, I don't know what that means to you. It could mean that we like to make our houses really nice and this and that and the other. I don't know. But to me, often it, 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 it reminds me of people going into their own environment and shutting everybody else out. This is my home. This is my space. Do not invade it. How many of you know that is opposite the kingdom, opposite the kingdom of God and the way that God works? God doesn't want our homes to be castles like that. He wants our homes to be like an oasis. What does an oasis have? It has, it has wells. It has a place where you can come and drink. It's a place of safety. It's a place where you can be fed. It's a place where, where your needs can be met. And I believe God wants our homes to be like oasis in our streets, in our close or in our and our uh, community, wherever they are, so that our homes are a place of life where people want to come because when they come, they experience something that they don't experience in their own home or their own life. And so God's Lordship, what is that about? And a couple of months ago, we said that God wants His shalom, His total well-being, His abundant goodness, nothing missing, nothing lost, nothing lacking. He wants His shalom to be in our home. He wants his presence, his tangible presence to be there. Now it is already because we're there. He is in us, therefore his presence is there. But we want to make sure we're, we are cultivating that and creating space in our homes for God's life and power to be at work. Because you know, if you've got family and, and you often have other families around, if you've got friends, you have your friends around. Some know Jesus, some of them don't know Jesus. And when people come into our environment, we want them to step into the presence of God. 
We want them to step into the shalom of God. We want them to experience something that is beyond where their life is at this moment. And we need to understand the importance of the home in the context of a fragmented society and what God wants us to cultivate as prophetic people in that, in that way. When I say prophetic, I don't mean we're just prophesying all the time, but how we live is a sign and a symbol to the world. So just a couple of quick verses. Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. So God wants his peace, his shalom to come into our home. The first declaration of Jesus coming by the angels was peace on earth to all men on whom his favour rests. That's amazing. So that's God's heart for people, whether they know God or not. His heart is for his favour to come upon them and his peace, his shalom, his total well-being, his salvation, healing and everything else that comes with that. He wants that to be on people and in people's lives. The first part of this year uh, during the prayer and fasting, God spoke to me about prayer walk in Horsham and um, he said I want you to walk every street in the town every little close and cul-de-sac and wherever there's a house go you know walk past it and pray and so um, I did all done all that and um, sometimes I walked down a street and there was just this sense of often it was early in the morning when it was dark and, and everybody's asleep and everything else and, and sometimes you, you walk it I was walking along and at times there was like an anger that rose up in me like a righteous anger against the enemy. And I found myself taking authority over stuff and coming against things. And it was like, there was, you know, you are not having this street. You are not having these homes. You are not having these families. You are not having these households. They've been bought with the blood of Jesus. He has purchased their lives. They belong to Him. And I declare salvation. Sometimes it was that. Other times I was walking down a street and I just began to, uh, just began to, to weep because of God's heart for the people. And what he what he is so desperate to do in people's lives, and I just found myself walking down a road, just just in tears, and and sometimes not knowing what to pray or how to pray, but just praying in tongues, and and as I was uh, uh, just walking down, it, and it was like God's heart for people. And, and it's like, God, would you just be so merciful? Thank you for your love. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your compassion for every home, every household. And, and other times I walked down streets and, and it was like God was giving me scriptures and I was just declaring these scriptures or whatever the words were. Other times I got my phone out because there were certain songs that he gave me to use as I was walking around the town. And other times, I don't know what this would have been like. I'm, sure, I'm glad it was dark. And... Um, and, and other times I was walking around holding my phone up like this with the music. It wasn't blaring out, but it was coming out. And, and whatever the song was for that street or that community, because it might have been for a number of streets. And I just felt the Lord say, just walk around these streets, holding up my name, holding up my word. And as, as, as people are singing on whatever record it was, there, there's a declaration of who I am going out over these people's lives. It's like God wants to meet people in their lives. He wants to transform homes and families and marriages and relationships and deal with the hurt and the pain and the abuse that's going on in, in so many lives. The lack of identity, the confusion, only Jesus, only Jesus. Only Jesus can do what only He can do. And He wants His shalom 
in our homes. He wants our homes like an oasis, a place of life, like wells. He wants every one of our homes to be a well. And what's God been doing over there? Why does he want us to live as worshippers? So that James' word, there's no stones. There's no, nothing blocking this well of living water coming out. Last week's word about why is it so important to have healthy relationships so there's, there's no dirt and mud and muck in our well so that there can be a release. Why, why are we looking at this this morning? Because we, we've been responding to God's word over the last few weeks. And, and it's been dealing with stuff in us and we're going to respond today, but it's going to be about, that is all about moving forward. But today it's like God wants us to be active in the way that we are in our homes and in our lives, with our families, with our kids, with our friends and everything else that takes place in that environment. Are you all right? Are you here this morning? Is it just me on my own up here? Are you, are you here? Is that okay? So you are the gatekeeper of your home. You are the authority in your home under God's authority and his lordship. Remember, I don't know if you can remember this, but uh, we, we talked about being a priest in the home. What does that, that mean? Because we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that, you, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Therefore, if there's a priesthood, there must be priests that make up that priesthood. And every believer is a priest. What does a priest do? A priest is somebody who firstly ministers to God, but then also creates an environment for others to be ministered to in that context. So the priests in the Old Testament would not only minister to the Lord, they would create the right environment and set things up and get everything ready so that when the people came to worship, the whole environment was ready for people to come and to worship and to give themselves to the Lord. And in the same way that I have and others, leaders have a responsibility in the church that we, we, we not only minister to the Lord, but we help create an environment so that we are a worshipping people. We have all of us individually that responsibility in our homes, that our homes are a place where you are the priest in your home because you're a believer. Let's translate another word, the pastor in your home. So I might be the pastor here in a church context, but I'm not the pastor in your home. When I come into your home, I might be the pastor of the church, but I'm not the pastor of your home. You're the pastor, you're the priest, you're the one, you're the gatekeeper. You're the one that opens up your home to the presence of God coming in and filling your home and whatever goes on in there with who He is and His presence. So if I come round your home, I'm a guest in your home. If we have communion together in your home, you do. You lead through communion, I don't. I'm there to be involved as part of the, what goes on, but you are the pastor, you're the priest, you're the gatekeeper. And so as priests before God, a priest first ministers to the Lord. We want to make sure in our homes we are ministering to the Lord. Sunday is where we gather together to worship together, to be encouraged and to meet and to have fellowship. But in your home, that's where, you, that's where reality hits the road. In our homes, where we're worshipping. And we have a lot of worship music on in, in, our, in our home. And uh, it's just on a lot. Jane has it on. I put it on. Megan, she, on her phone, she's constantly got worship on. So she might be walking around the house doing stuff, but she's got a phone in her back pocket and, and she's got worship blaring out, isn't she? Out of her back pocket as she's doing this and getting ready. You know, it's like, oh, Megan's around because it's like, you know, there's worship going on. Why? Because we, we want our lives to be full of His presence. We want to cultivate being worshippers in that sense, that way. 
So can we have a slide on the, uh, on, on the screen, please? We, we had this slide up a little while ago as well. I'm talking a bit fast, partly because the kids are down in a few minutes. So here's a slate to have a quick look at. And uh, so we have relationship with God, with, with, with the Father, with the Son, Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. So we worship God. We give our lives to Him. But then He is Lord he, of His kingdom. And we are part of His kingdom. Then in His kingdom, there's the body of Christ. There is the church. And we are full of God's kingdom life and we're to take His kingdom life out into the world as the church. Then within the church, global or regional, there is the local church like us in this room here now. And a lot of emphasis has been put on the church or the local church where we, you, you serve the vision, you get involved what the church is doing and all of that which is right. And we put a lot of emphasis on what goes on in that setting, but we've not put so much emphasis just generally in the church as well as here in our own setting about the first place there, the believer or the home. Because a church is only as healthy as the homes are healthy. Now, we know that when we gather together, it, it says one can chase a thousand and two can ch chase ten thousand. So we know when we come together a lot more. There's a multiplication of what happens when we come together as believers. But in our homes, that is the foundation of the health and the strength of what a church is in any particular location and setting. And so... In our homes, we want to have healthy marriages and relationships with our kids and whoever else might live in your setting. You might be sharing a house with people. We have uh, two other people as well as Megan living with us. and we, We've had people for a long time. Why? Because we want to live an extended household. We want to give space for people. Some people, most people have lived with us because they need some help in some way or other, some discipleship or whatever it, it, it might, might mean. But we want to live out something in our, in our home that is a prophetic thing for the community. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9. I'm going to read these verses, but why are these so important? Because if we live in a fragmented society, fragmented communities, where there's a lot of relational breakdown, marriage breakdowns, lots of stuff going on in children's lives, and, uh, and that the God can heal and restore, can't he? Because we've seen it in our own lives, in our own settings, what God can do. The enemy targets family because family is a backbone of society. He targets marriage because marriage is a backbone in society. He attacks relationships because when relationships divide and fall, then there's a lot more fallout with friendship groups and other individuals it fragments stuff. But we have something going on in our lives that does not, we're not controlled by that system and the way that the enemy works. So let's have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. It says here, there's been a whole lot of stuff that's been spoken before. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. But then it says, impress them on your children. Now, the word impress there is an interesting word because some people look at that and go, oh, yeah, you're brainwashing your kids. That's not what the word impress means. Impress doesn't mean make your kids think like you or believe like you, which people want that to sound like. So then they can say, yeah, you're brainwashing your kids. <laughs> but impress them on your children. The word impress there means 
that it makes a mark on their lives. That the reality of who God is and how we live in our homes, it makes a mark on the inside. It's like the reality of God is revealed in their own lives. So as our, as our children grow, for example, in, in that scenario, they're not living off our faith as parents. They're beginning to grow in their own. Impress them on their children. Talk about them when you sit at home. So these are about the ways of God, the things of God. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. We know for, for religious Jews, uh, they put boxes on their heads or they tie things around their wrists and they put things on their walls. They literally do that. But we know that because we have Christ in us, what God does, he, he, because He puts Himself in us, then we carry His presence and His life in our homes, in this context. But, it's, but how many of you have got things on your fridge? Little fridge magnets or, or things posted around your home or, or little heart-shaped things with statements or, you know, you can go into lots of shops and they, you can buy bits of wood now, you know, that have like a saying on it and all of that. How many of you have things like that around your home? Or is it just ours? It's full of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's great because it reminds you of, of, of things in terms of who God is or how we are, what the atmosphere in the home that we want and everything. It says, tie them as symbols on your homes and bind them on your foreheads. So we have the mind of Christ. We have the word. So write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we want to make sure that we guard what comes in and what doesn't come into our homes. A lot of us would have Sky TV or some kind of internet connection that you've got stuff coming into your TV or into your home, your laptop, iPad, computer, they're all gateways into our homes. And, and it's down to us to determine what kind of atmosphere do we want in our homes. We say the name of Jesus is holy and we worship him and we give him adoration. But how many TV programmes today blaspheme and use his name as a swear word? So one minute we want to worship Jesus. You are holy. Your name is holy, Jesus. But the next minute... There could be stuff coming into our homes that is just using him as a swear word. And we sit there and we allow, we allow that to be entertainment. It's like, hang on a minute. I'm not, I, I'm not going to worship him one minute, but then it's entertainment and next. In that, do you understand what I'm saying? Because we can sit there and go, yeah, yeah, they shouldn't really do that. That's not, I don't like that. But yet we, we, by sitting there, it's like, well, hang on a minute. What am I allowing, you know, If his name is holy, I want to honour his name as holy. Same with swear words and everything else. You know what I mean? We, we, you know, as Christians, I presume you don't go around swearing and everything. And, uh, but we know it's part of life and culture. But when you're out there, people swear. You can't do anything about that. You don't get upset. You don't get offended. You don't get annoyed with people. You don't do this and that. Because we're not here to judge people. We're not, we don't point the finger. We don't moan and complain. Because we're believers, right? It's life. And in the middle of that life, we live who we are. And we, have, we come with a different spirit. And we don't, we're not negative. We don't moan and complain about stuff. We're here with a different spirit to bring a different thing out, God's life out there. It's the same in our, same in our, in our homes in terms of what we cultivate, what we allow to come in. Uh, and um, we want to honour God in every way. And uh, anyway, let's not get into that one now. So uh, you can do with that whatever... 
Holy Spirit says you to do with it. So before they come down, five minutes, okay, just want to quickly go through this. Uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter four, it talks about rest. And there's three different words for rest in that chapter in terms of uh, Greek words that are used that mean three different things. In the English, it's just one English word for rest that we just, you know, it's not easy to, to get the meaning just in English. But there's three words in the Greek that help us to understand what God wants in our, in our homes. And <clears throat> without reading it, because we haven't got time, in that chapter, one word for rest means abode. It means habitation, God's presence. And, and the word rest, when it comes up in that chapter, relates to us being believers and God inhabiting our lives. We now live in the rest of God, in his rest, in his salvation. OK, is that all right? The other word, another word for rest means to cease from your daily activity, to cease from your work, your daily activity. And the other word for rest uh, there is connected with the word Sabbath, Sabbath rest. And, and that means the word Sabbath means an appointed time, something holy that is set apart. So God talked about, or, the, or Genesis 1, uh, it talks about Sabbath and the seventh day was a day that was set apart as holy by the Lord. And that the word there is Shabbat or Sabbath. It means a holy day. And, and so before there are any Jewish people around or, or the law or anything like that, Sabbath was part of God's plan for our lives. Sabbath is a place of rest. It's a place where we rest from ourselves. We rest from our schedules and we abide with him, with God. Now, the great thing is believers, we can abide with him all the time because he is in us. So when we talk about Sabbath, we're not talking about the law. We're not talking about a Jewish custom. We're talking about a place of rest that we have in God. But so in Christ, but also God wants a place of Sabbath in our homes, an appointed time that we give, we set aside where, where we can meet with God. He meets with us. We can pray together. His shalom comes. We can pray for each other, for one another. And we go give God space to do things. Why? Because there's also a time where we cease from our normal activity in our homes. You know, we have dinner. We've got this happening. Kids have got homework. We're out. We're doing this, the other, whatever we're doing in our homes. Sometimes we put all that on pause. We cease from that and we say, OK, God, this time, this space is yours and yours alone. We all have our own relationship with God that we spend time with the Lord. But as a household, as a family, whoever you live with, you want to have some Sabbath, some appointed time that is set apart where you're going to have communion together, break bread together. You're inviting the shalom of God, his peace, his total well-being, his presence afresh amongst us. And, and you pray together. That's a gatekeeping time. It's a gatekeeping opportunity. That's the time where you sit around the table and you eat and you, you talk about life. You talk about stuff like it talks in Deuteronomy there. And, and we could go through the Ten Commandments. We haven't got time to do that now. And the importance of Sabbath right there. The first three are about who we are in relation to God. The fourth one is keep Sabbath because it's holy. The rest of them are about how we relate to other people. Sabbath in the middle of those commandments is the bridge between our relationship with God and then how we relate to everybody else. OK, and, and what Sabbath is talking about in the middle of all of those commandments, because we, we keep the commandments. It says don't murder. 
Or is that just Old Testament, Old Covenant? We finished with that. We're now New Covenant believers. So uh, it says don't get angry, but we can, you know, all that. We we don't murder, we don't cover, we don't do this, that and the other. They're all things that go to a higher level in the New Testament because we're under grace now, not under law. So it's all to do with what's going on in your heart. It's not just don't do this or don't do that. It's even if you get angry inside about somebody, that's worse than killing someone. It's like, whoa, okay. So grace takes it to another level. But the amazing thing is God's grace enables us to live in the way that he wants us to live. So he enables us to live in that way. So Sabbath, that that appointed moment of time is important in terms of cultivating time with God. Easy to say, well, I, I spend time with the Lord driving in my car or when I'm in the shower or when I'm doing this, that and the other. Yeah, great. And when, I, when our family's together, well, God's in us, he's with us and all of that. Brilliant. But when we sit around the table, how do you get on today? What's been happening? How do you get on at school? What's going on in your life? How's it going? You got any? No, no, no. You start talking and you're sharing. It's, the, it's difficult to do that if you're all watching telly with a tray on your lap, kind of tucking into your fish and chips. But when you sit around a table, you de- you, you're developing relationship. You know, you don't. When you sit around the table, you don't sit in a row all looking that way, dear. Like we are this morning. Maybe we should do church more round tables, eh? What do you reckon? Yeah. I know one or two of you come in a few times and you walked in, oh, I'm not round tables again. Maybe it's because you might have had to sit around and, and chat to somebody. Because you can come in and sit in a row and not talk to anybody, can't you? And I can slip out again, sit around a table and it's like, um, hi, how are you? I don't really, I wish we had Rose this morning. But when you sit around your table at home, you're sitting around a table and you talk and you talk about life. That's the place where we want to talk about who God is. Because we're all out in the world all the time. And I know for you, in the same way as for me, in my setting, I don't want the media to dictate what we believe or think or what my kids believe or think. I don't want social media to do that. I don't want the classroom to dictate what my kids believe or think. The foundations and the fundamentals are are, are our responsibility in our homes. When we talk together, you might have friends around, you might invite people around. When you talk about stuff, don't just talk about opinions, what you think. When you talk about stuff, especially the challenges about our nation and what's going on, talk about, okay, so what's God's God's mind on this? What does God think about this? Then how should we think about this? How do we understand what's going on? Then how do we pray into that? And and so we we wanna develop this. All the guys that come back in, there's a whole crowd of you at the back there. How are you guys doing? All right. Is it time for me to stop? Yeah. Everybody say yes. yes. Oh, no. All right, I'll carry on. Well, a, lot, a lot of the kids are back. So we're going to have a time of communion and, uh, and just praying through things together. And what I want us to do, or what I believe is right to do, is we're going to pray just for a moment and then... I want you just to get into groups. It could be your family group. It could be the group of people you've come with. So there might be three or four or five in a group. There could be 10 in a group. It just depends how many of you come together. And then what I want one of you to do, one of you, there's, there's four tables, one in each corner. Then one of you from the group to go and get a chunk of bread, enough for your group, and a glass that has some juice in it. Uh, it's, it's, there's no alcohol in the stuff. It's just red juice, Okay. And then go back to your group. And, and what I want us to do is firstly, I want us to just to submit our homes and our lives to the Lord afresh. It's like a fresh consecration of our homes as gatekeepers in our homes. 
as priests in our homes or pastors in our homes. Just consecrate your home in a fresh way to the Lord, okay? And if there's anything that you need to reconcile with anybody in your family, in your group, in this moment, okay, then I want to really encourage you just to do that. You might need a conversation about something and there's not time to necessarily have the conversation now. You might need to do that afterwards. But if we're going to have communion together, we want to, we want to prepare our hearts and our lives for communion because of what communion represents in terms of Jesus giving himself fully for us so that we could give ourselves fully to him. And if you do need to say sorry, then don't necessarily have the conversation now. You'll, you'll know between you if you need to do something. And just at this point, just say, look, I know we need to have a chat, but I ask you to forgive me and I'm sorry. And uh, let's, let's have communion together now and let's talk later on and just make sure we're sorted. OK, if you need to do that, really important this morning, a bit of a follow on from last week. But there might be something you need to do in your family setting and then have communion but then after that pray for one another uh, if you've got a bigger group don't have to necessarily do one after the other maybe break into you know groups of three or four if you've got ten or something in April, eight or ten in a group but there's three or four of you pray for one another parents I want to encourage you pray for your children just speak blessing over them God's life over them encourage them God might give you something to encourage them with, a word or a scripture. The children, give your children an opportunity to pray for you if you've got children here, okay? Let them pray for you. It might be very simple. That's fine. It doesn't have to be a, you know, prayer. And uh, so let's just keep it simple. Is that okay? So let's all stand, shall we? And, and just for the next moment, just find the group or the people you're going to just have communion with find those people you might need to step out of your rows feel free to step into the aisles there's lots of space at the front here feel free to use the space here if you want to there's space at the back just find the space but make sure make sure you're in a group with other people there's three or four of you okay not not just twos okay try and three four five at least four or five in a group okay So if there's lots of twos, go and meet up with other twos. At least, at least four or five in a group, okay? Some of the young people that have just come in, if your parents are here, the young people, I want to encourage you to go and have communion with your parents, okay? If your mum or your dad or your parents are here, go and find your parents. Once you know what your group is, somebody go and get some bread. But don't, don't start having communion yet, okay? We want to pray first. Just get some bread, get some juice. The communion team, you might need to get some just plastic cups from the, the water machine. Just go and grab a load of plastic cups. If we need more cups, doesn't matter about glasses. The communion team... If you need to get some plastic cups, grab those, bring them to the table so that we've got enough, a cup for every group, okay?
if you run out of cups, grab a plastic cup from the water machine in the hub, bring it in, add some juice to it, find your group. We've got time this morning. We're all together. So we're going to go over anyways. That's fine. We're all in here together. Just make sure you're with some other people, okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I'll just give it another couple of moments so you can all get your your cups, your bread. Thank you, Lord. Everybody, everybody ready? Okay, let's just take a moment to pray before we just receive communion together. And while, we, while we're praying for the first few moments, this is each one of us, not, you're not praying out loud to the group at this moment, okay? We'll do that in a minute once we've received communion together. But just this first moment is anything that you personally just need to pray now in response to who God is and, and anything you might need to get sorted, okay? Uh, just in terms of your own heart response and, and whatever. And, and just submit yourself afresh to the Lord and submit your home. Your home. So let's just take a few minutes, a few moments to do that. Thank you, Lord. This is a personal response first. Then in the group, if you're a family group in particular, you can in a moment pray for your home once you've had communion as you pray together. But just this moment, your own personal response. Surrender yourself afresh to him, to his lordship. If, if you're a parent, just submit your home. Just thank him for it. You're blessed that you got a home. Just thank him for the blessing of the home that you live in. You've got a roof over your head, place to sleep, place to cultivate relationship and life and everything. Just thank him that you're blessed. Maybe just say, Father, I want this, my home to honour you. A place of your presence increasingly. An oasis for people to come to and receive life and healing and peace, wholeness, salvation, friendship. Maybe some of you just need to, to let go of your home a little bit. So I'm going to let the drawbridge down. Maybe some of you just need to let go of your home. You know, I don't like lots of people just coming in in case stuff gets messed around or broken or this, that, or the other. You we just submit all of that to the Lord, all of it. Let's allow our homes to be an oasis. 
where people can come. Where we can invite them and they come into his presence. Father, we thank you right now. Just fresh surrender of our lives and our homes. Everything we have is yours. We thank you for the blessing of it. But we're stewards, not owners of it all. We're stewarding what you've blessed us with so it can be a blessing to others. Thank you, Lord. Maybe now just thank the Lord for those in your group, your children, your parents, your friends, whoever it is. Just thank the Lord for those around you right now. Thank you for the blessing that they are, what they bring into your life. The blessing that they bring into your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you right now that when you were with those disciples at the Last Supper, you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat and remember me. And you took the wine, the cup, and you said, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. The blood that was shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink this, remember me. What we're doing, we're not just remembering something he did, we're remembering who he is and the power that he releases in our lives through the work of the cross. As he's laid down his life for us, he raises us up in his life. As he shed his blood, then we are adopted as sons and daughters. We're now adopted into his family because now we have his spiritual bloodline in our lives. We're, we belong, we're heirs of his. So let's just take time now. Just have communion together in your group. And then once you've all received communion, just begin to pray for one another. Bless one another. Lay hands on each other. So I'll just give you a few minutes. You, everybody just crack on with that and just see what God's going to do. Some of you might need healing in your group. Well, lay hands on somebody and, and release God's healing grace if it's needed. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are Lord of our lives and you are Lord of our homes. Father, we thank you that you enable us and grace us to just cultivate who you are in our homes, in our lives, in our families, in our relationships. Father, we thank you as we just give you that appointed time and make space in our lives and our homes that you would come by your Spirit and you would work powerfully in our homes, in our relationships. That our children, if we have kids, they would grow in an environment that's full of you, overflowing with your life. That we can talk about you in a very normal way that suddenly it's not, oh, we're going to talk about God now. This is the God bit. But we talk about you as part of our lives and as part of the fabric of who we are in a very natural way. And Father, I just thank you for parents here, fresh grace upon being parents no matter how good or bad you think you've been as a parent draw a line and step over that and say right we're going to go forward in a new way in our home don't give yourself a hard time and all of that kind of stuff about how you think your kids are doing or not step over that line this morning and say right from today onwards we're going to change the atmosphere in our home we're going to pray we're going to believe and give God some space to do some new things in our home Father, I thank you that you grace whoever needs that in their home. You grace them for that. We praise your awesome name. We thank you, Lord. And everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Just grab a seat for a moment. If the kids are there, we're going to look at highlights in a moment. Not quite yet, but I just want to, I know we're all together, so we haven't got a rush. Uh, just want to encourage you when you're, uh, it's good. Is it this? No. It's good to, um, alrighty. It's, it's, it's good to have communion when you're eating together because everybody's a bit more relaxed. Uh, you're not suddenly calling a family meeting and your kids sort of go into, oh, here we go, meeting mode. How long is this going to last? And is dad going to shut up or not? Is mum just going to read the Bible for three hours or what's going to go on? You know, at the dinner table, it's a good place to start because you're eating, everybody's relaxed, people are more talking, and, and, and for some, maybe you might not eat that often around the table. It'd be a good opportunity then to sit around the table. When it comes to just having communion together, you don't have to make that a long time, especially if you've got little kids, and their attention span might not be uh, very long. It might be 20 seconds, uh, if you can get that sometimes. But... You don't have to turn it into a big old meeting and everything else, okay? But just simply, you can have some bread, have some juice, and and some things take a little bit of time to develop. And if you might not try and explain everything to them about what, what communion, what Jesus did all in one go, you might do a little bit each time and you unpack it a bit. But then, you know, when you have communion, you can make it a bit more fun and say, hey, you know, why do we have communion and what does the bread mean or what does the ju- the wine mean or... Or what did Jesus do for us? And make it a bit more interactive so they're involved. And, and if they're old enough to read, maybe or maybe you read this bit or you read that bit about communion or something to make it a bit more interactive. But just want to encourage you, start. If you haven't started, start somewhere and just begin and let God develop it, okay? And see what God's going to do in your home and in your context in terms of just cultivating that. And sometimes you have to work at it. How do you know that not everything just flows really easily sometimes, you know? Sometimes there's just stuff going on in any given day. And sometimes that's probably the best day than to say, hey, hey guys, there's a lot of stuff kicking off today. Why don't we pause and have communion and just give God some space? Let's just be together, pray for a few minutes, you know? And, and like, I mean, our family, Toby and Megs can sing, you know, Jane and I. You don't want to be in our house when we're trying to sing. And, uh, you know, we tried at different times when our kids were growing up. Let's all sing and worship together. And, and we started, but then it got quite funny as well because it's like, who's in what key? And, and is anybody singing in tune apart from Toby at the time? And then Megs, she was getting older. So sometimes you can just stick a CD on if you want a bit of praise. And, and if you've got kids, have a time of praise and dance and worship with them at home. You know, it's cool. It's good to do that. Um, dad dancing has been banned in my house now. Uh, Megan even gave me a little thing on it saying, no dad dancing. And, uh, you know, so um, I don't do that kind of stuff when her friends are around. I only do it when she's around. And, uh, you know, so she knows all my John Travolta moves in the worship. And uh, that I don't do here either. Because, uh, anyway... Um, so I just want to encourage you, cultivate it and see what God does. See what God begins to develop in your home. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. 
For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.